This episode of Stick Like Glue Radio is brought to you by Jim Palmer's latest book, Decide, the Ultimate Success Trigger. There is unquestionably something that triggers high levels of success for some entrepreneurs, while others simply struggle to even break six figures. It is the ability to decide. When faced with a challenge, situation, opportunity, or anything else that requires a commitment to do one thing or the other, when a decision needs to be made, some entrepreneurs freeze, or many more simply postpone the decision to a later date, and that leads directly to Squishyville. Decide the ultimate success trigger will get you comfortable growing a more profitable business faster. Get your copy today at www.decideforsuccessbook.com. That's www.decideforsuccessbook.com. Hey, friends, this is James Malinchak, featured on ABC's hit TV show, Secret Millionaire, and founder of BigMoneySpeaker.com, and you are listening to my good friend, Jim Palmer, on Stick Like Glue Radio. Welcome to Jim Palmer's Stick Like Glue Radio, the only podcast dedicated to helping you create an everlasting bond with your customers so they stay longer, spend more, and refer more. Jim Palmer is a marketing and business building expert, author, speaker, and an in-demand coach. He's the founder of the Dream Business Academy and Dream Business Coaching and Mastermind Program. Jim is the host of Newsletter Guru TV, the hit weekly web TV show based on Jim's smart marketing and business building advice. Check it out at www.newsletterguru.tv. And now, please welcome the host of Stick Like Glue Radio, Jim Palmer. Well, hello there, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Stick Like Glue Radio. This is the only podcast dedicated to helping you create an everlasting bond with your customers so they stay longer, spend more, and refer more. Those are those are great things in any business model. My name is Jim Palmer. I'm your host, your dream business coach. And as always, I am committed to helping you grow a more profitable business faster. I am so excited about this week's show. My special guest is Tom Tancredi. He is one of the founders of Dom and Tom, they, a mobile app development shop. And let me tell you a little bit about Tom, and I'm just excited to, to uh, get him on here. So Tom founded Dom & Tom, which is, again, a mobile application development shop in 2009 and has since grown the company along with his twin brother, Dominic, into one of the Inc. 500's fastest-growing companies in 2015 with over 45 employees. D&T has worked with clients including Priceline, Fitch, Bloomberg, GE, Cliff Notes, Power Rangers, the Emmys, and more on over 250 digital products. Project. Excuse me. Tom has given presentations on digital culture at multiple events, including including Hearst, AOL Ventures, Tabula Rasa. I sure hope I said that right. And so he sat on multiple digital engagement panels. Tom is a fervent uh, entrepreneur, having personally invested in multiple startup ventures in New York City, including John Brown's Steakhouse, named Best Barbecue Joint in New York City in 2012 by the Village Voice. I love me some barbecue. Tom, how are you doing today? Thanks for being my guest. Sure, yeah, no problem. Uh, it's great to be here. I hope I didn't butcher any of those names there. T- Tabula Rasa, was that correct? Did I get that one right? Uh, Tabula Rasa, but and it's uh, John Brown's uh, Smokehouse. But yeah, you got you pretty much got it all there uh, on the first try. <laughs> I was doing an interview just before this one, and I some of the names in the intro, I felt like I was reading the Old Testament. I was really there were some huge names I struggled over. Anyway, it's really fun sure. to talk with you. I got to I got to tell you, when I read your um, the bio, the Dom and Tom, I'm sure you're probably a, a fan of Shark Tank. I thought I was going to be interviewing those 
those uh, two guys who were doing the, uh, I think they were doing the lobster or the or the mac and cheese business. I don't remember which one, but pretty wow. sure there was a Dom and Tom on there. Oh, okay, I, I must miss that miss that show. <laughs> so I know you've worked alongside uh, your twin brother Dominic on the successful launch of, as you say, over five, over 250 digital products while building your your digital agency into one of the Inc. 500's fastest growing companies. Um, two years in a running, I believe. So that's awesome. What's what is your background? Was was one of you more entrepreneurial than the other? Were you both just have the whole entrepreneurial dream? And like, how did you get started in that world? Yeah, you know that's a great question. Uh, you know, Dominic really is our uh, computer science guru. Uh, he is our CEO and CTO, Chief Technology Officer. Uh, I am our Chief Financial Officer and Chief Strategy Officer, and I uh, I, I actually got in the industry uh, just basically uh, just by chance, really, with Dominic. Uh, Dominic and I were uh, doing two different jobs. Uh, he was uh, running. Uh, doing uh, programming uh, back in the day at another agency, and I was working at, at a law firm. And uh, you know, 2008, 2009, uh, we saw iPhone coming out. We said, "Hey, you know, no one's really, uh, you know, an expert in this market. Why not us? Why not go out and build some iPhones, iPhone applications?" And uh, we decided to do it, and we won some awards. Uh, one thing led to another. We got a couple of contracts with some clients that we felt. Um, you know, we're just too good to, to pass up because, again, it's 2008, 2009. There are no experts uh, in that space, so we sort of just jumped on it and uh, never looked back. You know, it, it seems like those were the days of the kind of the wild, wild west. They are building things, you know, for everything. I know uh, Joel Com. I know a little bit, um, he developed a, an application for fart noises and stuff like that. Oh, I know you're yeah. building yeah, you're much more sophisticated than that, but I mean it just goes to show people I mean that the apps a friend of mine has I think she said she has over two hundred apps on her phone, which 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 is amazing. How did you you know, I'm really impressed that um you got into the whole uh price line thing. How did how did that come about? You know, it's interesting. They found us. Uh in fact most of our uh enterprise clients like Priceline or Hook Mifflin um or, or, or Bloomberg, they, they find us. It's word of mouth. Uh, you do good work. Uh, you say what you're going to do when you say you're going to do it, and you will not be out of a job. It's been pretty much my my uh, my ethos. I'm not a marketing genius. Not, my brother's not a marketing genius. We just, we, did, we actually didn't hire anyone to do our marketing until year five uh, you know, of our company, uh, just because word of mouth and it was such pent-up demand for anyone who could build uh, an application. Now, the biggest, uh, the bigger challenge was uh, delivering what you said you would, because you're literally building things at a time when no one knew how to build them, or you may be the first one building them. So that was a that was a tough, and it still is for us because we're still doing challenging new cutting edge technologies like the Internet of Things, you know, smart watches and and thermometers and, and things that you could, uh, you know, household uh, appliances that can be, uh, you know operated by your phone, all those great things. And to a certain extent, it's still a little bit of that Wild West out there right now. That's crazy. What do you think is, um, what do you think is like a big opportunity that's, uh, you know, maybe a year or two out? I mean, it seems to me like security-based things. Um, sure. I know there's that, that whole doorbell where you could be anywhere, and, you know, there's an app that lets you talk to somebody and see who's at your door, even though you're in a restaurant or something. I mean, is that is that do you build stuff like that as well? Sure, yeah. Actually, we do. Uh, security is a huge issue. Um, you know, a little, little 
known uh, factoid. I mean, since the Internet's been around, you know, there's always been breaches, but really, you know, especially as we get to the holiday season, there hasn't been uh, a holiday season since 2006 in which we haven't had a major credit card security breach. It's, uh, it's, it's just how, the way of the world, and it's not the, the little guys. It's the big guys that get hit. It's the targets and uh, the Macy's, and, you know, so, so security is huge right now, and it's something that even uh, the big guys are, are not able to, to really uh, muster enough forces around to, to get, uh, you know, completely secure. Um, I'm actually giving a, a speech about that at a, at a local university in Chicago, uh, Lawrence University. Wow. You know, I noticed um, on your website when I was uh, doing a little uh, pre-interview um, research, so you have offices in Chicago, New York, Los Angeles, and London. Um, I'm just curious how, why you have so many physical offices. Isn't a lot of do you, is that is that because you meet with clients? Are those like hubs of activity, or it seems like you're in a, a digital world? Why do you need the physical offices? Well, partly it is a digital world. Uh, you know, the, the great thing is some for some of our developers, they prefer to live in another country or another state, and that's great. Um, the other thing is is that it's actually part of a, a, a trending uh, strategy. We want to uh, complete a 24-hour development cycle, and what that means is, is that you're developing in time zones uh, all around the world to the point where you never stop building a product. So if you have a, a, a team in uh, in America, you have both sides of the time zone, and then you, you have a team in, uh, you know, Asia or Australia, and then you have another team in Europe, you pretty much can have a 24-hour development cycle, and that is an unbelievably competitive advantage if you can do it. That seems to be, uh, yeah, I, I would agree with you, it seems to be quite a challenge, because, um, you know, I, I know. Would you consider uh, developers as uh, de like design type people? Are they the creative, or are they more the the engineer type? I'm just curious. Oh, that's a great question. I mean, the the, the art and the science have really melded together um, in the last couple of years. So, there, you know, you can't get a good developer who doesn't know a little bit about the you know the design and the schematics and how things are should operate and, and, and keep that in the back of the mind as they program, and, and, and vice versa is even more uh, essential as well. So especially when you get to user experience and user experience interactions, uh, you know, you can, you can make a, uh, you can paint, sorry, you can paint a pretty house, but if you can't, uh, if it's not functional, uh, you know, it's not going to be worth uh, anything. And, you know, conversely, you know, just because it looks functional, it could look like a square or, or a rectangle. It doesn't look pretty. It doesn't look like anything anyone would want to use. Uh, yeah, so you really need to know a little bit of both of that. Yeah, you know, I used to, in another life, I ran a uh, small advertising-like department, and the creatives, the, I never had two creatives think alike, and they all they were all kind of prima donnas, but it seems to me building a, a platform or, you know, an, an app is, to me, it seems like it's more of a... Um, uh, an engineering like this has to happen. There's, there's no gray area, you know what I mean. It has to have a functionality, but but then there is the uh, the look and appeal of it as well. That that's where I was just thinking about the challenge you have of 24 hour, um, you know, getting it done in a 24 hour cycle means handing it off from one person to another, though. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Wow. So you got quite a team. You got. Um, uh, if your website's correct, you got 46 team members, everything from developers, strategists, designers, project managers, et cetera. Is the, is your, where's your main office, Chicago or New York? And, and like, do you have one person kind of overseeing that, or is, or is each office 
kind of got its own uh, like HR department. Oh no, uh, you know our our hub is definitely New York City. That's where we started the company. That's where most of our people are. That's where the majority of our clients are, or or they at least they at least have an office in this area. Um, so definitely New York City is our our hub. We're expanding in uh, L.A. and Chicago for next year. Um, and we're probably not going to be doing too much more engagement in London, but we will be looking for uh, expansion in Latin America and uh, uh, the Philippines. Wow. Um, so I'm wondering what, what, what would have been the uh, most challenging app to date. You know, I know you have the, the whole Priceline thing, and I, I, for that app to work, I mean, gosh, there's, it's like, the webs. And I'm going to show my incredible naivete here, but the website goes out and it interacts with all these different, you know, search engines and things like that. Was was that one of the most difficult ones, or was that actually not? You know, it sounds weird, but you know, <laughs> we're actually every everything seems to be getting more and more complicated as as things get bigger and bigger. So you know, we're not just building for one uh, platform. We're now we're building for multiple platforms, and now we're building with multiple platforms that engage with third-party software such as Facebook or or uh, Google Analy- Analytics. And so, was, you know, they all get a little bit harder as we go along. And so now we're sort of in that position where we, um, we're we finding that each year, we're, we're, you know, we're, we're dealing with harder and harder applications. And uh, so I couldn't tell you what it, what, it, what it is today. I can tell you that, uh, you know, by the end of the year, we'll, we will have built the most complex uh Applications. One of them, though, I will say that that we're most proud of is the Life is Simple application, which is going to launch um, next year, January 11th, if I if I uh, am saying it correctly. And that was a very complicated, very complex application, and uh, it's it's with a startup actually, not even with an enterprise client, um, and they are uh, looking to change uh, the face of uh, the beauty industry. So we're very excited. We're very hopeful for them. What what's the uh, basis of the app, or, or, or if, you, well, if you can talk about it, what's the what's the sure you know, sure the benefit? It's, well, so the so the problem is we don't really take a lot of startups, but we we do every so often because our motto is do good, be good, um, and we find ones that when we do work with a startup, we want to work with one that is doing good in the world. Um, this application uh, solves the problem that we have a lot uh, in this country, which is. Most uh, beauty experts, most people who do your haircuts or or nails or any of that, um, they only get paid about an average of twenty six to twenty eight thousand dollars a year, which is below the poverty line. Um, so, what this application wants to do is put that control back and that money back in their pockets by helping them find more clients, better clients, and you know, hopefully, double their salary within a year. Uh, what, it, what it happens is, is right now is that there's a lot of other people in that industry that, that sort of take a piece of the profits as it goes along, and uh, this is hopefully going to, you know, change a lot of lives in America. Wow. That's good. I like that do good. What, what is it, do good, be good, be good, do good? Yep. That, no, no, it's uh, do good to be good. Uh, do it's, good uh, to do be good. good, be good. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Now, is that kind of is that kind of your mantra? Is it part of your mission statement, or is that kind of just your general philosophy? It's yeah, it's it's all in one. Uh, honestly, I you know I sort of said it before. There is no magic. There is no secret sauce. There is no uh, you know smoke and mirrors. You, you have to do it uh, to be it. And so, if you are going to do, if you are going to be a great 
uh, business, you must do the, you know the right things to get there. And so, uh, you know, we really believe in that ethos, and we we uh, you know have a very straightforward way to approach things and talk with thing uh, talk with people. And we don't uh, we don't try to sugarcoat uh, you know the bad news, and we we really don't try to overpromise and under under deliver. Hmm. With with you and your brother, um, and I, you might have answered this already, but with you and your brother, were either one of you when you got started, were you bootstrapping like most entrepreneurs, or were you actually building the initial apps, or were you guys more we got to do this, let's find the smart people and have them do it for us? No, uh, my brother's the tech, uh, the engineer. Uh, I was the business guy. I was I was pounding the payments, looking for clients. I was saying there's got to be people out there who need applications or or need something. They have to be out there somewhere. I got to go and just you know get in touch with them. And I, I you know I brought in a couple clients. Uh, they were small potatoes. Uh, that's how we all get started. Um, and it's a services business, so it should be profitable from day one. And you know I would really encourage anyone who is you know, going to start their own business or, or go enterprise really to take the time and actually do a services business where they're not getting a whole you know, investor's money or anything like that because paper well, – I'm sorry, because uh, money, too much money kind of papers over a lot of the problems and having to really, really find the value in, uh, in your services and, and have that validated by a client uh, really shows you what's working and what's not working. It's crazy. What do, what is the biggest challenge since you're 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 kind of a little bit more of the sales end of things? What's the biggest challenge for companies? And I, I'm I don't know whether it's different for really small startups or big companies or the or the problems just get magnified or the challenge, etc. What's the biggest? How do you get people to say yes? Do they do they kind of know they want an app? Is it something they know they should have, or or do they are they sensing a need, or are you going in there and painting a picture? You know what I mean? It's kind of a big question, but just curious how, yeah. how what your process is like. It's you know it's interesting. I think there's two there's two things that are happening right now. Um, the fact of the matter is, the first thing you pick up and the last thing you put down uh, in life is your phone. It's your and so odds are you're 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 uh, you're you're on your phone, you're on your smartphone, your your tablet, your screen, and so you're spending a lot of time with it and you're thinking about it. And so you need to figure out if you're going to be an application on someone's phone, what is the value? Because there's people out there who have you know hundreds of applications on their phones, and then there's people out there who only have a handful. The truth of the matter is people only use a handful uh, of apps, no matter how many they have on their phone. And so, you know, when you're going out to think about what you're going to do, um, we, we try to really walk through the value chain as to why someone would want it. If anything, we're, we're almost uh, anti-selling the need for an application because in doing so, it really drives home where is the value of what you're building and why does it have to be in this uh, user experience before we start making anything. Uh, it's a lot of there's a lot of money at stake. There are people's jobs at stake, so we don't want to just you know upsell a client. And we we're very forthright and honest with them. You know, as we go forward with this and say, you know, we want to make sure whatever we're building, people will use and people will love. So let us all just take the time and pause and think about it. Hmm. Do you find most companies are looking? I mean. It, I realize an app is not social media, but when that when that all was getting going, everybody, well, what's the ROI on that? You know what I mean? Or do companies look to spend money to create an app so they can uh, maybe stay connected, to have a better experience, or are they looking to, to actually sell? Are, are most of the apps are do they do they sell for a price? 
you you know what I mean? Like when you're dealing with uh, I don't know technology or, or financial services, are they are there apps? Well, actually, you you did one for Bloomberg, right? Yeah. So is that is that an app that's privy only to their customers, or is it like a user-based app to help their experience with newbies kind of stay connected? To, do you know what I'm saying? I'm probably asking I the do. question clumsily, but <laughs> sure, sure. So do 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 comp- If I can maybe uh, rephrase it a little bit, do companies find you know build applications because they're uh, they're trying to sell it to the customers, or do they use it for internal use? Is that is that a fair summary? In, internal use and, and maybe stickiness, you know, to keep their customers longer because it's a great use. It, it, it enhances the user experience and things like that. Right. The answer is yes to all of that. They do all of that. But what they usually do, especially with enterprise uh, uh, enterprise companies, is that they see a problem that's happening internally, and they say, "Wow, we are challenged. Uh, things are not working right. We need some sort of software." to help organize ourselves or, or help manage uh, documents. And we had this legacy technology, but now we need it available on our phones because that's when we're doing some of our work or doing some notification or we need quick response. And so we would, you know, that's really where you see it. But then what happens is that a lot of people who have been using it in t- internally as an efficiency tool, they realize that they're just like everyone else. And so I, we've seen it where uh, – Someone like Bloomberg, for example, asked us to build them uh, an application. They turned around and, and offered it to the clients, uh, you know, for sale as, as a licensing fee, just saying, hey, you know, we actually use this for ourselves. Why don't you guys use, use it too? You know, we're, we're having, uh, you know, it's, it's really helping us out. So they've, they've gone and, and done, uh, you know, their own sales with their own clients. And we see that happen a lot of, uh, in, in enterprise for, for uh, in any industry that you can think of when it comes down to real estate or financials. It, it's all over. Are, are there apps in the music industry right now, or is that is that just kind of a, an easy download situation? Are there is anybody developing like an app that has to do with your different likes, your tastes, and, and things like that, or, or is it For just music? basically that? De- yeah. Oh yeah, I mean Spotify, Pandora—they're all trying to crack. Uh, they're trying to know you better than you know you, uh, which is they're collecting as much information and data on you so that they can uh, you. Know, Improve their algorithm so when you know you hear a new song, they're like, "Well, we got a good shot that he's gonna that this guy who who's already uh, been listening to these other songs will like this as well." Hmm. Very cool. It really is all about building lists, and you know, I mean, that's what uh, with Facebook and Google, man, they they those everybody they know so much about all of us. It's crazy. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, how, and that's so, an interesting. Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, please go. I was going to say, that's sort of the, the challenge we're going to deal with in the next five years. The fact is we have drone technology. You've, uh, you know, we all have you know, email accounts. We all have passwords. We're all on social media. Um, there's going to be a conversation at some point uh, you know, in, this, in this country but also in other countries as well as to what our boundaries are and what our limits are and what we want and don't want to have. Um, you know, that, that's just sort of interesting to think about, and, and, uh, and it's probably going to happen in the next five to ten years. This is really where we're going to draw the line with the, with the water's edges of, of, I guess, privacy, but also uh, personal uh, preference. Like, how much do I want uh, Spotify to know about me, about my, you know, choice of music, and how much do I want uh, banks to know about my spending habits, those kinds of things. Wow. 
so got time for one more question. How is building an app for like a, a large organization, like for example Bloomberg, different from um, building an app for like a, a funded startup? It's not. It's not different. Same thing. Uh, most enter- yeah, most enterprise uh, clients want to move and act like a startup. Um, that's you know, one of the main reasons you would go to an agency rather than just build it internally. Uh, usually when, when they try to, when an enterprise client tries to build it, uh, build a product internally, uh, it's death by a thousand uh, committees. And uh, they want to move fast and build something and get a prototype up and running. The only major difference between uh, a, a funded startup and a enterprise client is that uh, a funded startup really does have a finite amount of resources to go access to. Um, so they have to get it right. We have to take twice as much time. We have to be twice as diligent uh, with them to make sure that they're not spending too much money. Whereas an enterprise client can say, well, we'll just wait until our budget renews next year, and then we'll, we'll continue and, and go on. It's, you know, there's a little, the, the stakes are a little bit higher with funded startups. Hey, Tom, I'm going to squeeze in one more question. I'm just curious. So you started, I think you said, in the 2008-2009 time frame. Is that right? That's correct. So you've had, like, I mean, some very impressive, uh, explosive growth. So a lot of my audience are entrepreneurs and small business owners. Any kind of uh, lessons lessons learned from, from, I mean, you've kind of, looks. it appears you've kind of ridden a rocket ship full of growth and <laughs> And really, you know, going after some really big clients. I mean, you're, it doesn't sound like you went to a chamber of commerce networking event. I mean, it's not where you're going to no. score a client like Bloomberg. So, any kind of lessons learned from an entrepreneurial perspective? I, hundreds. I mean, you know, there's so many lessons. Uh, the big thing for me, though, was uh, keep it. Uh, you know, keep your business as simple as possible. Be very easy to understand. Uh, be willing to speak human. Uh, you know, just be able to be, speak to someone on their uh, communication uh, channel. I don't care if it's email. I don't care if it's in person. Just be able to speak with them as a human being. Uh, and that was, to us, the biggest uh, secret that really launched us. That's why we call the, the company Dom and Tom. We don't call it Gemini Corporation or something that's hard to understand. We don't know who they are or what it is. Um, and, you know, in my, in my world, tech, uh, technology can get really hard to understand so always remember uh remembering to speak, you know, human and uh and clear is uh you know, it's really helped us out. And I think that falls under the heading of authenticity, you know, being yourself yeah. and, and uh putting yourself out there. Well this is a slightly different interview than I usually do, but I really enjoyed connecting with you and hearing your story. I'm sure there's gonna be a lot of people that are uh, greatly inspired by your growth and what you guys are doing. How how can people learn more about you, Tom? Sure. Uh Head over, head it on over to the website. We're at www.domandtom.com. You know, feel free to just look us up on the internet. We're on Twitter, Facebook, uh, all those good channels, and uh, I'd be happy to, you know, hear from you. That's awesome. Thanks so much, Tom. Greatly appreciate your time today. All right. Take care. Hey, folks. That wraps up this very special episode of Stick Like Glue Radio with. App developer and the co-founder of Dom and Tom, Tom Tancredi. Remember, Stick Like Glue Radio. It's the only podcast dedicated to helping you create an everlasting bond with your customers so they stay longer, spend more, and refer more. I'm your host, Jim Palmer, your dream business coach. As always, I'm committed to helping you build a more profitable business faster. Until next week, another great episode. Keep taking action. Keep moving forward. And don't ever, ever, ever give up. Take care, everybody. 
You've been listening to Stick Like Glue Radio, the only podcast dedicated to helping you create an everlasting bond with your customers so they stay longer, spend more, and refer more. Stick Like Glue Radio features Jim Palmer's unique brand of smart marketing and business building advice for action-oriented entrepreneurs. To make sure you don't miss a single profit-boosting show, subscribe to this podcast at iTunes and www.getjimpalmer.com. To learn more about Jim's Dream Business Coaching and Mastermind program, visit www.dreambizcoaching.com. That's www.dreambizcoaching.com. If you know other entrepreneurs looking for the fastest way to hire profits in their business, please tell them about the Stick Like Glue radio podcast. Now, go and implement what you've learned and boost your profits. See you next week for more Stick Like Glue radio.